0: Do want to remind you um, something that some of you already know, but maybe news for some of you as well. Um, that Malachi Dean, uh, staff member here who is on staff at our Riverside campus, um, starting tomorrow, will be the children's pastor at West Carrollton Nazarene. And we are excited about where Matthew where God is leading Malachi. And uh, I'm sure several years ago Malachi stood here um, and Pastor Gum announced his call to the ministry. And who know, knew where it would lead, that it would eventually lead to his first full time position, and that is at West Carrollton. And we appreciate uh, Malachi's faith in being able to step out, leaving the job that he has understood as their livelihood for many years now stepping out to what God has called him to in full-time ministry. There is a reception for Malachi this afternoon uh, from 1.30 to 3.30 at our Riverside campus, and you are invited to attend. If you cannot attend that, I'm sure that a note or an email or a text congratulating him uh, and also uh, pledging that you will pray for him as he starts off on this full-time call uh, i'm sure that would be uh, appreciated so we just want to rejoice in what god has done in malachi and ashley's uh life and appreciate how god takes people from the pews and calls them into ministry and appreciate how god has done that for ages upon ages and is still doing that even today even so much that we have nate lahoon today nate would you come uh up front uh Nate attends Mount Vernon Nazarene University as a member of our church. Some of you, just come right here, it's fine. Uh, Some of you know Nate and some of you don't, but Nate um, has uh, great musical skills and he has a band and he tours with some people from Mount Vernon as well to represent Mount Vernon Nazarene University. And he walked into my office maybe three months ago and feels like um, God is calling him into full-time ministry. The shape that that will take place We don't know. Um, It could be through his music with the band right now. It could be uh, eventually as a worship pastor at a church. But the first step in that process is the first step that I'm sure Malachi took many years ago, and that's to receive a local license from the Church of the Nazarene. And the church board at our last board meeting unanimously uh, gave Nate a, a local license. The local license is the first step in the process. Uh, as he will eventually march toward ordination in the church of the Nazarene. But we wanted to publicly present this to him for um, so you all could be able to encourage him and also that you all could be able to pray for him as he's studying at Mount Vernon, as he's involved in ministry right now, but as he sees what God leads him to from Mount Vernon, whether that would be to stay with the band that he's at or that would be to go to a local church ministry, and he's open to whatever God has for him. So we congratulate you as a local licensed pastor in the Church of Nazarene. Uh, This is your certificate, and let's encourage him now, please. (laughs) If you have your Bible, would you open it to Mark uh, chapter 1, please? Thank you for giving uh, Sue and I the grace to be away last uh, Sunday, we were called to uh, lead a marriage retreat down in Western Kentucky, and we went down there. And we were the only Nazarene there. It was at a Baptist church, and I hope I didn't absolutely ruin them theologically. But uh, we did the best we could, and it seemed like it was received well. And uh, Sue and I enjoyed leading that, enjoyed the time away that we have. And please know that the uh, your min- the ministry of Xenia Nazarene extended at least last week. Extended to um, Barren River State Park down close to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and appreciate the opportunity to be able to to do that um, last Sunday. Two Sundays ago, when I was with you last, we looked at Matthew chapter 9, and we looked at the call of Levi, which we learned was eventually going to be called Matthew. And we talked a lot about that call that Jesus gave him to come and follow me. And we said that that Call was a call to follow. It wasn't a call to change and then follow. It was a call to to follow and then change. And that's somehow different sometimes. in maybe the churches that we grew up in, and somehow we got the gospel a little messed up in that. Because I don't know about you, but I was I was raised in in, in the crowd that you that you behave and then you belong. And and it seems like the gospel says Jesus says I, Matthew. You're a tax collector. Okay, we all know that. That means you're a traitor to your people. That means you're hated with your people. That means you're on the low of the low. Everybody looks down upon you. You're not a likely candidate to be one of my disciples. But Matthew, come and follow me and watch what our, my grace and the grace of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit can be able to do in your life. Matthew, come and belong to this group and watch your behavior change and that was an overarching thing that we spoke about last week as well as two weeks ago as well as some others and if you if you didn't get that podcast and you weren't here that day that was one of the bad bad weather days but if you weren't here that day I really really encourage you to take 30 minutes and listen to that message because there's some foundational truths in that message that I won't have time to review all uh, today For whatever it's worth, I've never received a message. I've never preached a message that I've received more texts and emails and compliments on than that one in my life. So it must have struck a nerve somewhere. And so I think it'll help you understand today's message just a little bit more if you can go back and spend 30 minutes of your time at zenyonaz.org and check that out on the podcast. Brandon followed it up last week and did very well talking about the call. And Jesus uh, came to call, came to call, came to call, came to call. And and, and the call that we all have and all of our calls are not like Malachi's call and not like Nate's call, but we have a call. And what did Jesus do? He came to call, he came to call. He did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. He came to call, came to call. And that's a serious theological issue there that we as followers must be able to understand. And Brandon did a good job of following up on that. And today we want to continue to be able to push forward just a little bit deeper in that. And we're preaching from a parallel passage from what Brandon preached on last week. Brandon preached on Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to preach on the same story, but taken from Mark's gospel. Um, Sometimes you'll see the same story show up in the different gospels. And sometimes people get all freaked out about that because it's not the same in each gospel and there will be some differences in the way Luke tells a story as opposed to Mark tells a story and some differences with the way Mark tells a story as the way Matthew tells a story and some people get all freaked out about that but It is just inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is Matthew, Mark's, and Luke's interpretation of the same event. Let's say we go out in the parking lot today, and because of the ice and bad weather, there's some kind of a fender bender in our parking lot. If three of you saw that, all three of you wouldn't have be able to remember and write out that event the exact same way. Some of you will remember something special about that. Some of you won't remember that as much as you remember another part of that accident. And it'll be the same accident. You saw the same accident, but you saw it from a different human perspective. And that's all it is when we have different stories. That's all it is when we have different stories of walking beside the Sea of Galilee that is told differently, as Matthew tells it, as we're going to read that Mark tells it today as Luke tells it in chapter 5. If you have your Bible, Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles close to most of our doors. The only difference in the red and the black Bibles are the red print is larger. If you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take it with you. If you know someone that doesn't have a Bible, please receive that as our gift to them. Mark chapter 1 as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. Now, people get all freaked out about that, because in Luke, it doesn't call the Sea of Galilee. It calls it Lake something that I can't pronounce, okay? And people say, well, it was the Sea of Galilee in, in Mark 1, and it was Lake Gennesaret, or whatever it is, in Luke chapter 5. So that's, I mean, he was walking by sea here, he was walking by lake here. The Scripture is not true. Well, as you research into Jewish times and what they call things, they call things different. Different things that, like we do in our society as well. Some people call it the Sea of Galilee. Evidently, Luke knew it by a lake. And some people got all freaked out about that. And Just chill out, man. <laughs> you're going to have to do better than that if you're going to point to the inaccuracy of scriptures. Okay? So, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who eventually will become Peter and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Some of your Bibles say fishers of people. Don't get freaked out about that. Men is actually a word for mankind, so fishers of people is okay, even though many of us grew up with that word, fishers of men. Okay? At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in a boat with the hired men and followed him. Would you back up two slides, I think? Can you do that for me, Eric? Um, That stuff right there that shows up in several of the Gospels, I I have to be very honest, This, this will appear very unspiritual to you. And some churches, you can't say this maybe without them stoning you. I thank you that you aren't one of those churches. That part right there has always bothered me. Here's Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee. He looks out to these guys that are fishing or getting ready to fish and says, "Uh, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Did they even know what fishers of men were? I mean, that's a weird thing, fishers of men. And it says, At once, at once. At once, they left their nets and followed Jesus. Now, that seems weird to me. Does it to you? Am I the only one in here unspiritual? uh, At once. Has anyone ever, you in here who are Christians today, has anyone ever, the very first moment you ever heard Jesus say, come follow me, did you at once? Or did you have a time of processing and? Thinking about it. Did you, did you leave everything and follow Jesus? I don't know that any of us in this room were Christians. We would consider ourselves Christ followers. But I, I get all bent out of shape when I just think about Jesus walking along and sees these two guys. Hey, come follow me, and boom. They leave everything. They leave everything. They leave their livelihood. And some people say, wow, look at the obedience. I don't know if that's obedience or lack of responsibility, friends. Do you leave your livelihood? Do you leave your families? If someone comes up to me after church today and says, Mark, I think I want to become a Christian, I'll say, great. He says, now tomorrow I'm quitting my job and I'm leaving my family and I'm going to the mission field. I would say, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. But if this passage in others, it says they left everything. That's always bothered me, and I may be the only one in here. So I thought this week, I need to dig into this. There's, there's something weird here, because that, that just doesn't seem right to me. They leave their families? I wouldn't, I wouldn't counsel anyone to leave their family. I wouldn't counsel anyone to quit their job. In fact, I've got someone in this church right now who started a new job two weeks ago. He called me this week. He says, that I'm, I'm being asked to do some things that I feel like are unethical. I'm, I'm being asked to take some shortcut on the job. On, on my job and he said I feel like I got to quit and what did I say I said alright this guy's been out of work for a while I said alright now let's chill out uh, let's, let's observe for a, a, a few more weeks if this is continual stuff that they ask you to do we may have to deal with that but let's just see if this was an isolated thing I didn't counsel him you know to be a Christian and leave no I said let's, re- let's relax and I think that was good counsel Although these guys left. So I dig in, dug in a little bit this week to try to see what is, why would they just leave like that? We Americans don't do that. None of us in this room has ever done that. They're better Christians than we are. It's important to know Jesus was Jewish. That may be a duh, yeah, I know that for you, but that's important to know. Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus was Jewish. He was raised in a Jewish family. He adhered to Jewish traditions and he adhered to Jewish customs and he thought like a Jew. And for us to be able to totally understand much of the gospel and a lot of Jesus' teachings, it helps for us to dig in to Jewish traditions and Jewish cultures a little bit. Jesus was a Jew. It's also important to note about Jesus that he was called a rabbi 13 times in the Gospels. 41 times he was called a teacher. So this person that came along the Sea of Galilee was not thought to be the Son of God, at least it certainly wasn't then. This person that came by Matthew's tax collector booth wasn't thought to be the divine God incarnate. He was thought to be a rabbi. He was thought to be a teacher. And a rabbi then doesn't mean what a rabbi means today. A rabbi today means for us almost like a pastor of a Jewish synagogue. But then a rabbi wasn't a local pastor at the synagogue. He was almost maybe a little bit like what we understand as an evangelist. He just traveled around. He just traveled around. And he had his disciples with him, and he just traveled around, taught, 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 taught. Jesus was called a rabbi 13 times. Jesus was a carpenter only two times he's referred to as a carpenter. So who he was to these people, at least initially, was a rabbi and a teacher in this whole Jewish system. Now, teacher is very, very important in the Jewish system. You've got, you got to get this. You've got to get this or you won't, won't get anything that I say today. Uh, little Jewish boys and girls at the age of six, they went to what was called the House of the Book, and they studied the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they memorized it. The whole thing. And you say, wow. They had to. There were no printing presses. If they were going to pass this down to their family as they grew of age, they had to have it up here. There was probably one copy of Old Testament scriptures in the town, and that was in the synagogue and kept under lock and key. Yeah, they couldn't go to a family bookstore and, and pick out from 10 different translations. They didn't go to a a hotel in Galilee and pick up the Gideon Bible. They just didn't have stuff like that. And they memorized it from age six to age 10. And they were just filled with the Torah, what we understand to be the Pentateuch, little boys and little girls. Now, at 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 the age of 10, little girls went back to be taught to be little moms, okay? And, and that's not the way it is in our culture today, but we understand that in that culture. So they went back. Their schooling was done. They went back to be taught by their mother how to be moms and wives. The best of the best of the best of the best of the boys got promoted to the next level and went to what was called the house of learning. And, and, and the rest of the boys, they went back to their dads and learned their trade. Uh, the dad is making sandals. The, the dad makes... Um, uh, Dad may be a carpenter or whatever it would be. But the best of the best of the best, people that had an aptitude for the Torah, they went to the next level. And the other boys, they just went back and learned the family business. So from ages 10 to 14, the best of the best of the best of the best were going deeper in all of the Old Testament Scriptures. They would incorporate the prophets. They would talk about different interpretations. It would be more than just memorizing. And they did that all the way up to the age of 14. By the age of 14, a lot of them had just kind of filtered away because it gets really tough. And, and the boys had gone back to making sandals or fishing or whatever it was. But at the age of 14, there was a few that was left. And this funnel that accepted all of them at the very start had gotten really, really narrow. And there was just a few that were still left that had the opportunity to become to go to the next level of learning. And that next level of learning was called the house of study. And they would go to a rabbi and say, Rabbi, can I be one of your disciples? And the rabbi would question them and see what they knew and what they didn't know. And Becoming a student of the rabbi was not just getting facts inside of you. It was wanting to be like the rabbi. It was wanting to be devoted to the rabbi. It was going wherever the rabbi went. It was walking behind the rabbi, hence following. It was just going wherever the rabbi went. And he would question him and see who had the right stuff. And he would ask questions like, um, in the book of Habakkuk, there are four references to the book of Deuteronomy. Would you give me those references and give them to me in order, please? Now, they knew that. You put a gun to my head, and I don't know that. And you don't either. But they knew it. And as the rabbi questioned these young students, they tried to decide if they had the right stuff. And most of them didn't. And, and the rabbis would say, listen, I, I, it's understand. you love God. You have a love for his, his, the Torah and his word. But I just don't really think that you have what it takes to be one of my disciples. Just go on back, have babies, um, learn the family business, continue to learn the family business, and love God and teach your kids to do that. It's a good thing. But there would be a few, a few, that in the rabbis' interpretation. This rabbi that they went and applied to and begged to let me be one of your followers, there was just a few that the rabbi would look at them, after questioning them, determined that they had the right stuff, determined that they could make the cut, would look at them and say, literally, literally, would say, in Jewish, of course, in Hebrew, of course, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And that would be like getting your acceptance letter to Harvard. The little Hebrew dads would be so proud because this was what every little Hebrew dad wanted his son to grow up to be because rabbis were the elite of the society and had more respect than anyone's society. And if you were going to be a follower, a disciple of a rabbi, then one day be able to be a rabbi yourself, wow, wow. That was a big deal. And so the rabbis, to a select few, people who had gone all the way through the funnel and only a few eke out at the very bottom of this funnel, that rabbi looks at them and says, Come. Follow me. And literally, they left their families. Literally. They left their families. They were working with Dad in the sandal-making business or whatever. They left their families business they left their families and they walked around with the rabbi as he went from community to community teaching teaching and they not only wanted to learn from him they wanted to be like him they were devoted to him as a person so here comes jesus on the sea of galilee and he sees andrew and he sees simon and he says, come, follow me. Those same words that a rabbi would say to someone who's got the right stuff. Those same words that a rabbi would say to someone who's made the cut. The, the same words that a rabbi would make to someone who's passed the interest exam. Jesus said to these guys who were fishermen who somewhere along the line had not made the cut, who somewhere along the line had heard the words, you know, I tell you love God, and just go back, though. You're not, really not cut out to be my disciple. Go on back. To, to people who heard words like that, Jesus says, come. Come on. Follow me. And they had a chance to be among the elite of the elite in the Jewish system. They had a chance to make their daddy proud. They had a chance to be a rabbi, and they left everything, and they followed him just the way all the other kids that over here had made the cut, had had the right stuff. They left. Now, that helps me understand. That helps me understand when I learn a little bit about Jewish culture. But it also teaches me something that's applicable for all of us today. Remember I said, rabbi doesn't go out and recruit. People go and beg him to be one of their followers. Can I be one of your followers? Has to pass the interest exam. Has to see if I have the right stuff. They don't set up recruiting booths here. They, don't, they, 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 didn't, they didn't send out work the network trying to be able to get their disciples. No, they waited for people to come to them and ask except for one rabbi rabbi jesus to some men who had not made the cut to some men who somewhere had not made it through the funnel to some men somewhere had not had the right stuff he comes and says come follow me put the scripture back up here if you would please There's something amazing in the scripture that just jumped out at me this week. Verse 16 says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. Now those next four words to me are redundant. Why are they there? If they're out casting their net into the lake, they're fishermen. Why does a text have to use some sacred space to be able to put something that we could have figured out on our own? For they were fishermen. You know why they were fishermen? They weren't disciples. They hadn't made the grade somewhere. They didn't have the right stuff somewhere. They were told, yes, you love God. Go have babies and raise godly children, but you're not good enough. You don't know enough. I don't think you can be like me. Somebody had told them that there. They got cut out of that crowd and went over here to this crowd. Why were they fishermen? Because they weren't disciples. And here comes Rabbi Jesus giving them the opportunity. Even though they didn't have the right stuff, giving them the opportunity by saying, come. Come and follow me. And that tells me something about Jesus. He believes in us. believes in us the rabbi didn't believe in peter or he would have gone to be a disciple the rabbi didn't believe in andrew or they would have made it through the funnel to the very end somewhere along the line the rabbi turned to peter and didn't say these words but basically meant i don't believe you have what it takes to right to be my disciple to be like me i just don't believe that you have what it takes and jesus comes along and jesus comes along and says boys i believe in you Boys, come on. you got the right stuff. Boys, come on. And follow me. Now, I don't even know if I like that. Because that sounds really man-centered. But what Jesus tried to teach me this week is, Mark, I know you believe in me. But do you believe that I believe in you? Mark, I I know you believe in me. But do you believe that I believe in you? Thus, come. Come on. Follow me. I believe you have the right stuff, Mark. I know you didn't make it through the funnel, Mark. I know you've got your rejection letter, Mark. Come on and follow me. And I don't know where you are in life. You're just a factory worker. You're just a stay-at-home mom. You're just working an everyday job. As average as average can be. I think Jesus today wanted me to come and tell you that he believes in you. He believes in your ability to be his disciple. He believes in your ability to be the person that you really deep down want to be, but are not really sure you can be that person. The grace of God obviously is all over this. And I will never be the person God wants me to be without the grace of God. But in believing in the grace of God to change me, I somehow have to believe that Jesus believes in me. That I can can be his disciple. Hear me. Hear me, married couple who's struggling in your marriage. Jesus says, come follow me. I know you two can work it out. I believe in you. As you follow me, your marriage will totally change. Do you believe it? Do you believe you can be the type of marriage you've always wanted to be? I believe in you. Come. 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 Follow me. I I, I, I believe in you, teenager. I know that none of your friends are following Jesus. I know that you can't ever... See yourselves as a type of follower like Pastor Nathan. I know that you ladies can't see yourselves as a type of follower like, like Mindy, but, but Jesus believes in you. Jesus believes in you. I know you feel like you've got to go out and have sex like everybody else is having sex. Jesus believes that you don't have to do that. Jesus believes in your ability not to be able to do that. And Jesus believes in your ability to stand alone. Jesus believes in your ability to be able to resist peer pressure. Jesus believes in you or he wouldn't be saying to you today and every single day, come on. Come on. Follow me. I was taught to believe in Jesus, and that's really, really good and really, really, really important. But I'm learning this week that Jesus believes in me. It's really, really, really important to have faith in Jesus. Oh, it's just just really important. And I've been taught that over and over and over and over again. It's also important to notice and know in some way that Jesus has faith in me. I can be his disciple. I can cut the mustard. I have the right stuff. And do I believe that Jesus believes in me? Single mom, you got a tough job. You got a tough job Jesus believes in you and he calls you to follow him even though you've got a tough tough job of being mom and dad trying to raise all the money trying to educate yourself to get a better job Jesus says come and follow me come and follow me I believe in your single mom I'm looking right here, I'm looking at some husbands right here that your wives will not accompany you to church. And, you're ha- and it's very hard for you to hang in there. It's very hard for you to carry the spiritual mantle in your family. It breaks your heart. Your wife is not sitting next to you right now. And you're wondering if you could go on with this thing. Can I tell you, Jesus believes in you. He has faith in you. He has confidence in you. He wants you to be his disciple. Which means he wants you to be like him. I can understand a little better why maybe Andrew and Peter would just leave everything and follow Jesus. Because it was the call to be the absolute end all thing in Jerusalem and that would be a rabbi it was a call that I had the right stuff to be his disciple to be like him and Jesus makes that call to you today as he's made it every single Sunday and he makes it again here today but with a different slant friends I know you believe in Jesus I know you do but do you believe that you have the right stuff some of, you, some, of you, some of you in a group this large feel a call of the ministry. Jesus says, come. You got the right stuff. You're fearful. You're fearful. You don't know if you can. You just, you just don't know. Jesus believes in you. Come on. Come. Follow me. He even invited the lowest of the low. He even invited Matthew. A tax collector. A tax gatherer. Hated amongst the people. Believe in yourself. You don't have to be this person anymore. Come follow me and watch what my grace can do in your life. Thursday, Sue and I went over to pray with Garnet. before she started her chemo on Friday. And those that don't know Garnet Beam, you know, if there's ever, you know, picture the little saintly little woman in any church, well, that's Garnet, okay? And so she's going through chemo. She gets the port put in and all that. And so she's naturally fearful. We have fear of the unknown. I don't care how sanctified we are, we have fear of the unknown. Don't know what it's going to be like, how sick is it going to make me, how quick is my hair going to fall out. And so I, I told, and Garnet says, you know, people just everywhere are praying for me. God is so tired. God is so thankful He can hear somebody else because everybody's been praying for me, and God's probably tired of hearing my name and all that. But, but she admitted she goes, "I'm anxious." And I just felt led to say, "Listen, you've prayed. You've prayed. Everybody's prayed. Everybody all over Facebook is praying. Have confidence." In God and go in there now what I probably should have said as well because the fear was can I go through this can I deal with this can I can I deal with the side effects can I can I there was fear there and what maybe I probably should have said is God believes you can go through But what I'm worried and what God believes, you have the right stuff. Not because you're such a great person, because you believe in him. And will you believe that he believes in you? I don't know where this hits you today. But I just wanted to come tell you today. I'm thankful you believe in him. do you believe that he believes in you and you can be like him you can follow him you can be his disciple let's pray Lord we have a different slant on the old old message today In some way, I'm fearful of even saying it because it's different and kind of sounds man-centered, but you you call the unprepared. You call the unworthy. And by your grace, you can make us worthy. But we have to believe that we have the right stuff that we can be that Christian that we've always wanted to be. And by your grace, we can be able to do that. I pray for for people here today that have always wanted to be a Christian-like Garnet or a Christian-like so-and-so or a Christian-like... Would you snuggle up real close to them and say you believe in them? They can do it as they follow you. As they're your disciple. Father, as we sang, we come to you just as we are wounded, broken, needing of mercy. You see us in our brokenness, you see us in our neediness, and you still believe in us. You still say we have the right stuff as long as we follow you and stick close to our Rabbi Jesus. With your heads bowed, just a second, we're going to open the communion tables. Our pastors are coming to prepare the elements now. Some of you, by simple stepping out of your pew, will be following Jesus. Some of you may have never, ever received communion before. The simple stepping out of your pew could be an act of repentance, an act of following. Some of you will want to receive communion. Some of you will want to come pray at this altar about something that the Holy Spirit has pricked in your hearts and in your lives. I don't know what the next few minutes hold for you, but would you follow your rabbi Jesus? Would you follow his leading in all of this? tables are open and our altars are open as well you're invited to come